Welcome to the Spirit School of Ministry podcast, where we discuss discipleship in everyday life. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Spirit School of Ministry podcast. Uh, I'm Liz. I'm here with Pastor Lonnie Johns and Pastor David Lean. And we are so excited today because we get to have a guest on with us, someone that we haven't been able to talk to in a little while. We get to hear about what's happening in your part of the world. So maybe you could just tell us where you're from, what you're doing, some like a brief kind of overview. Synopsis. Who you are. Uh, I'm uh, Lonnie Johns. I pastor uh, Christ Central in Lake City, Florida. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's uh, referred to as the Holy City. Uh, it's so anointed. No, it's a great place to uh, to live. Uh, been pastoring there. I planted the church 25 years ago, and been in ministry uh, almost uh, 34 years. And uh, anyway, we planted it, and we planted uh, 12 churches out of our wow. church. Okay. And uh, we've got uh, missions, and we've got orphanages. Wow. We have uh, one in the Philippines, two in Honduras. Um, we have a downtown outreach center. Uh, where we uh, feed the hungry, and we also have a shelter for the homeless and all kinds of ministry, counseling center, computer labs, where we help them get jobs. There's a lot of ministry going on there. Mm -hmm. And uh, God's just been uh, wonderful to bring such incredible leaders together and uh, fellowship and just catch a vision to lift up Christ. And so uh, we've been very blessed with that. And then recently they've asked me to be the uh, executive director for Destiny Fellowship. Mm -hmm. And so we work with churches all around the country, even the globe, uh, helping and uh, supporting and ministering, uh, coming alongside pastors. So it's yeah. uh, it's a great season in the kingdom. Wow. I'm just glad to You're be a part. You're a busy guy. Well, we're on. blessed. <laughs> we're blessed. Got a we're lot going blessed. on. Cool. Have you been the pastor of that church all along, yes. like founder and pastoring since then? Yes, we okay. planted it uh, in 1998, and okay. uh, me and my wife, and uh, we've uh, planted it and uh, built teams, and then we planted other churches. But that's the mother church, okay. uh, referred to as the mothership. Yeah. And then we, uh, it's, it's a great, <laughs> great. It, but we have, we have so many uh, uh, young leaders and, and great pastors that have been a part of it. And so we're just honored to be part of the family. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, with so many young leaders coming up, like you said, and with your heart to reach people, uh, what is your heart towards discipleship? And maybe what are some efforts that you have in that area that's going on currently? Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think you know, that's one of the critical elements of really multiplication, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, you, when you're um, preaching the gospel and evangelizing, and it's, it's a wonderful to see the harvest, right? Yeah. You're, you know, the church was being added to daily, even in Acts, the early mm-hmm. church. Um, mm-hmm. But really when, when it began to explode is also when they began to uh, give responsibility and disciple, and they begin to bring in those young leaders and give assignments, and all of a sudden you went from addition to multiplication. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and discipleship is the key. You know, it's really the key to doing it. it it's the work of it, um, and I think that uh, that's part of what I believe is a shifting, uh, even right now in the body of Christ, uh, of coming back to some very um, basic foundational. Mm-hmm things that are so needed that maybe we've gotten away from. Uh, I think even uh, doing um, church plants and outreaches and all those wonderful things that are part of the kingdom of expansion. Uh, But the key is discipling because, you know, he didn't tell us just to go make converts. He said, go, Jesus said, go make disciples. Mm -hmm. And the disciples, the the reason that a lot of times uh, I think that people kind of pull back is because, you know, it is the work 
of ministry, mm. you know, because discipleship's messy. Yeah. Right. You got to roll up your sleeve. You know, you know, uh, I've got four children. I got 10 grandchildren now. And, uh, you know, uh, having babies and making babies, that's awesome, right? <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Uh, but raising them, mm-hmm. right? right? Feeding them and cleaning up after them and paying for it and, you know, all of those things. But the joy of seeing them grow and uh, being shaped by environments and and input from the Holy Spirit and all those things to find, help them discover their gifts, their talent, how mm-hmm. God created them. Uh, that is the ultimate joy mm-hmm. of seeing your children grow into what God called them to be. And it's the same thing spiritually. Yeah. It is the spiritual um, uh, uh, of watching them walking out destiny. For me, mm. you know, when I was young, uh, it was much more about just going and doing all the things God called me to do mm-hmm. and then enjoying it. But I'll be honest, as I've gotten older, the, I get more joy out of seeing spiritual sons and daughters and those who've been discipleship to see them minister or preach or go into the prisons and those things. To yeah. me, there is so much joy in that. Mm-hmm. And that all is a fruit of discipleship. Yeah. I heard you say you had uh, some ministries um, with orphanages yes. and others that are pretty new in the faith, maybe coming from broken backgrounds. And how do you how do you build them from the ground up? Like, how would you start with someone that's just come in? Maybe they've just come into one of these ministries or they've just come to be with the Lord. What sort of things do you think is most necessary? Um, to I, begin with yeah, I think I think, you know, discipleship uh, has to also um, be kind of uh, uh, led by the spirit depending on the environment. For example, Mm -hmm. even though there's some basic foundations of discipleship that can go cross-culturally, discipling someone that's in our church is different than us going like we have in the Philippines or Honduras and going on the streets and pulling out children out of cardboard boxes who have been abandoned and the families don't have the funds or uh, where we're trying to get them uh, out of the hands of people like the MS-13 gang where we would go because they take them, then they disciple them, Mm -hmm. they train them, and they teach them to steal, they teach them to rob, they teach them because, um, you know, that's part of their culture is they're discipling gang members. And in those areas, uh, they realize that that uh, is their greatest asset is some of these kids that they get to hold of very young and become Mm -hmm. earners for them. And so we have to understand that that's where we have to get in there uh, and it may not be gains in our community, but the enemy is wanting to disciple our kids. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? That's it, it, it's the cultural discipleship, and we mm-hmm. have got to get involved, and we've got to begin to disciple them in kingdom, in the Word of God, in the Spirit of God, mm-hmm. in the things that God has for them. So when we talk about uh, God calling people out of uh, darkness into light, that process, it's not just an event uh, yeah. It becomes a process, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And is that different than, you know, some of your efforts? How do you change your approach then if you have, you know, maybe someone you want to bring in as an intern or someone that right. you see you could delegate ministry to them? Um, you know, does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, how would you shift your focus then with <clears throat> well, I think like that? I think there's, for, for us, we kind of, and I think that each house has its culture. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to kind of fit uh, what fits the leader and the team that you have. You know, uh, and so for us, what we have is we have discipleship tracks for anyone that wants to be a part. We have our services, and then we have a, 
a program called CORE. And CORE mm -hmm. is about uh, developing character. Uh, it's kind of got three levels to it, but you're talking about developing character. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a lot of things that if we're not careful, uh, a lot of leaders want to know uh, how to be uh, uh, the skills yeah. They want, how do right. I develop my gift? Mm -hmm. how, how do I develop my ability to preach mm -hmm. or to teach or right. to lead? And that is important and it needs to be addressed. But many times if we're not careful, we're developing the gifts without developing the character. And then we create people who are gifted, but their gift takes some places their character won't allow them to stay. That's right. And mm -hmm. so part of discipleship is growing them into the place where where they become uh it's not just what you do, it's who you are. We're human beings, not human doings, right? <laughs> so we have to be something. We're becoming. And so I think the discipleship that we have to work on foundationally always is character. Yeah. Character and integrity. Then you build on that foundation, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that that has to be built into uh, intentional uh, because many times, uh, if we're not careful... Uh, we think that uh, they're going to get it because they got in our prayer line or we spoke a word over them or mm -hmm. we laid hands. And all of that is powerful. I mean, yeah. it's incredible mm -hmm. to have encounters. Mm -hmm. But it's also that that putting your hands on them and speaking life into them and watching their development and being there to answer questions. And, you know, and that's part of And that takes a team, yeah. you know, to do that. That's good. Um, so those are very important. Yeah, I would tell you, you're speaking our language here, the <laughs> the character part of yeah, things. And yeah. I mean, it's really, it's kind of easy to activate someone in their gifts, yes, actually. You is. know, I mean, the Lord gives yeah. that. He he puts that in them. And that's the easier part, I think, of developing someone is your it gifting. Is. Uh, but the character part, that's, yeah. you know, that's process. That's time It is also. And that's, you can't, you can't fast forward it. You know, no. it's like, it just kind of takes what it takes. And um, I was wondering if you could speak um, a little bit to maybe your, personal discipleship journey just mm -hmm. kind of how you how you who discipled you how right. you grew up in that and then you know one thing we believe is that a disciple is always a disciple always. right so yeah. how does what does it look like for you now also uh well i think that one of the things is that discipleship um, is about being a continual learner mm -hmm. right if you're going to lead you've got to continue to learn whenever you quit being teachable uh you put a lid on your own life yeah. Right. You automatically so cap yourself. Mm -hmm. So one of the things about, um, I think, the mindset that we all have to have is we have to be careful that we don't because of, you know, God favors, God blesses. You see things that you've dreamed of when you're young and you begin to see those things. And if, uh, if we're not careful... Uh, we can begin to believe our press clippings, right? Yeah, right. Because everybody <laughs> tells you how great. And the reality is, you you either got the the lovers or the haters, right? Mm -hmm. And so the lovers are always telling you you're the best thing since sliced bread. And then the haters, you know, they're going to say you stink, man. <laughs> right. You're not good at nothing. Right. And so you can't believe either side, right? True. So what you get to realize is you just got to believe that you're on a journey that God's brought you to a certain place, but that in that place, there's so much more you don't know, so much more you've got to learn, so much more you need to grow. And when you do that, you can you can uh, open yourself up to be teachable. Mm -hmm. But I'll be honest, you know, what I'm learning is that a lot of the young people uh, that we're pouring into, I'm learning things from their perspective, mm -hmm. right? I'm not saying just somebody breaking off heavy revy <laughs> to you. I'm just yeah. talking about life. Uh, looking at life through the lens 
of a, of a person that is growing right now, right in this generation, right in this culture, we need to realize that's giving us so much more understanding because mm-hmm. if we continue to look at a culture from a, from a, a lens, you know, uh, I'm, I turned 60, um, I know I don't look it, but I turned 60. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, and the reality is the world has changed drastically. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason it's changed so drastically is if you really study it, even from a secular standpoint, the explosion of, of uh, information has caused uh, the culture to change. It used to, you know, mm-hmm. if you kind of look at it, uh, there, there's a book that really broke it down. But they said if you took all of the knowledge that man had and you put it into one unit, it would take the first 4,000 years of man, it took 4,000 years uh, to actually double that unit of knowledge for okay. change. And yeah. then it took another 500 years to double that to get to four. And then it took 150 years to mm. double that. And then it took uh, 45 years. And it, it breaks it down yeah. and it says now yeah. we double knowledge uh, about every two years. Wow. And what that means is that knowledge causes culture to change Hmm. so what used to take long lifetimes to change culture now is rapidly accelerating because we have we have information but we don't have revelation to handle it yeah and so culture begins to degrade and so that's part of where we as leaders have to say, God, what are you doing now? What are mm-hmm. you saying now? How do we need to be presenting the gospel mm-hmm. now? How, what kind of ministries do we need to do to touch a generation uh, that is bombarded by a world that is moving? Because if we don't, many times we'll try to do what used to work in ways that is not being fruitful now. Yeah. Now, we know that God is unchanging and the foundational principles of worship and the Word and the presence of God all of that does not change, mm-hmm. right? But some of the methodologies and the presentations that we use to, to in, in, engage culture, uh, I think uh, we can learn so much uh, from the, the young people coming up and how they, especially after they have a, a relationship with Christ and now they're seeing it from a, a before and after. Yeah. It's close, right? Yeah. So. I, I love that. I love what you're saying about being open and teachable even from – people that you've discipled. Oh no. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, it should be an exchange that happens there. And especially if we're humble and we're teachable and it's, I just love it because so many times I hear like, well, I'm at this level and there's no one to disciple me. Right. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) well, if you're, if you're teachable, if you've arrived, you need to go into heaven, right? You exactly. Right. Yeah. But I just love what you're saying about, um, a true disciple, they'll learn from whoever's yeah. there to teach them something yeah. that they don't know. Yeah. And whatever whoever God is using to speak to them at that yeah. time, you know, and that could be someone of any age and any yeah. experience level also, oh, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. I think that's, yes, it, it's all about our posture, mm-hmm. you know, our, our openness. Obviously, uh, you know, some of the young people, because we've got some high school uh, that we really feel, high school students that are in our internship, we've got some young 20-somethings, college mm-hmm. career right in there. Um, and, you know, they haven't had the experience that I've had, yeah. but they have um, uh, a revelation in different ways. And so what, what I find is that when you are open to truly listen, because sometimes if we're not careful, I've been guilty of it, I want to just share without giving the time for the interaction. Mm-hmm. And I think the discipleship, when you build relationship in discipleship, 
it helps us. And we're trying to get better about that. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, like you went back to what you were saying when you're talking about information and how the devil's discipling the culture, oh, you yeah. know, even through some of the information that's coming out and then the gang's discipling. It made oh. me just think like they're trying to take the place of the father and the mother. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what you're saying, you know, just about understanding is the church has to take that place and we have to be the father and the mother and, right. and relate and exchange and um, on a selfish note, I just had a, a new, uh, a new kid and I'm just wondering, you know, I've awesome. two kids now and, uh, you're a, you're a father of four, you're a man, yes. of, man of wisdom. And I just wanted to see if you would talk a little bit about what that looks like in your family to disciple, mm -hmm. uh, maybe um, your kids. Oh yeah. And I, your it, wife. And no, it, disciple your wife. Yeah. Well, well, she, she made, she made, she made, she's discipling <laughs> yeah, yeah. me, but so, yeah, yeah. No, I think the, uh, I think the thing about raising kids, um, is that uh, many times uh, your own kids are sometimes the most difficult mm -hmm. because your dad, you know, and it's wonderful in the fact that when you're they're young, you know everything. <laughs> they they think you are the best at everything. They look mm -hmm. to you, and then somewhere in their teens, mm -hmm. they think all of a sudden you don't really know as much as I thought you knew, and I know everything. Yeah. So there's right. the shift there. So there's <laughs> the challenges in that growth process. Uh, that's why I think it's very important that you also uh, have others uh, on the ministry team in the church around you who have your values that your children in those moments when they go through that. And the reason is they're trying, they're starting to get their own identity. They're going through changes. They're trying to get some space um, and it can be handled right. Uh, but it also needs to be monitored. It needs to have people around them that can also be speaking the same values um, because the kids will come back. They come back around. Mm -hmm. The love never changes. The love and the honor and the respect, but the, the, uh, the thing that they're not sure if you understand where I'm at. You're older. You're not living where I'm. You're not going mm -hmm. to the school I'm not. You're mm -hmm. not dealing with the pressures I deal with. And sometimes I think in those times, that's where we've got to keep our relationship open, but also have people around that can help support the vision that they will relate to. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. Really good. Out of uh, you mentioned earlier um, the concept of team mm -hmm. and the importance of team yes. in discipling, um, which I think also can be somewhat countercultural with mm -hmm. some people who kind of set themselves up as the discipler, you know, yeah, and I yeah, have yeah. kind of my disciples, yeah, yeah, you know, right. can you yeah. speak to the importance of team in discipling? Um, I think, I think that, that if you become um, a single discipler, uh, I understand that we take people into a relationship. So we take responsibility mm -hmm. and accountability for someone, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. I think that level of discipleship is needed. A friend, where a person has someone that they can talk to all the time, they can they can minister to all the time. But I think that when you're doing groups of disciples, you know, like for us, when we we just launched this emerging leaders, young leaders internship, mm -hmm. um, and we have 32 that are very young that are involved in this group. But uh, myself, uh, I'm my executive pastor, uh, Seth Shaw, our kids pastor, uh, DJ uh, Andrews, uh, we've got. Um, we've got our worship pastor, uh, Brandon uh, Roth. Uh, we have uh, my daughter, Angel Shaw. Uh, there, there's a number of voices. Greg Roth, we've got business guys that will mm -hmm. also come in and speak because yeah. I believe that they need to be well-rounded. Yeah. Right? Right. And I think that everyone carries different uh, uh, 
I don't want to say specialties, but perspectives, anointings, insights, and I want them to be as prepared as they can be. Um, You know, one of the things we don't talk enough about discipleship, we talk about our role as trying to disciple, but the key to a disciple is for them to remain teachable, Mm -hmm. uh, even at the young age. And when I say teachable, is sometimes the disciple we have to address, they want the information because I want to be successful. Mm -hmm. But what they have to be open to is to the character development to be called out in areas of their life. Because if they don't allow us to father them or mother them, even, you know, because, because, that's what that's what he's talking about. You have many teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have 10,000 teachers. Mm-hmm. You don't have many fathers. Mm-hmm. And it's because people want you to give them information to help them be successful. Mm-hmm. But it becomes more touchy when you begin to have to talk to them about character issues. Yeah. You have to talk to them about attitude issues. You have to talk to them about their habits. Uh, you have to talk to them about their relationships. You have to start yeah. dealing with issues that are more sensitive. Mm-hmm. And then you can find out uh, really are they submitted to the process mm-hmm. fully mm-hmm. or are I submitted to certain levels? And so sometimes... Uh, those uh, times where you have to have the fatherly, motherly conversations, uh, the elders in the faith have to begin to talk to it. That's where you can find out what level of disciple they are. Yeah. Not by their gift, mm-hmm. but by their teachable on sensitive areas. Yeah. Right? That's so good. So yeah. good. And that really is the risky part of relational discipleship, right? When you're oh. willing to take it to that place where you're ri- yeah. you're risking they could choose to walk away completely, you know, and that's, I think sometimes people are afraid to go there. It's hard to go there sometimes, right? Because you're, um, there is risk there of, will they, will they reject Mm -hmm. me? Will they reject discipleship? Will they reject Mm -hmm. everything? Because I'm going to that place. People are, like you said, they're willing to sit and receive information because it's safe and there's not a lot of risk there. But as soon as you step into addressing character, can get a little riskier. I think that, um, and you have to create a, a, a culture where that is uh, communicated mm. because if we're not careful, we, we want to only give a ministry because we're wanting to do discipleship and we only want to give the good stuff. Yeah. Right. Your life is going to be blessed. You're going to wake up and you're going to glow in the dark. Right. The angels are going <laughs> to sing when you hit. No, what, what I start off in discipleship is ministry um, uh, really is about pain tolerance. <laughs> you think it's about a gifting. You think it's about a microphone. You think it's about a crowd. You know, because they show up, you know, kids and even young uh, leaders who are gifted, they show up and they see the crowds on Sunday. You know, mm-hmm. they see a thousand people. They see ministries going. They see things, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. And But they don't understand the pain and the sacrifices yeah. involved in planning a church. And you weren't there. Mm. when nobody was here and yeah. me and my wife were packing puppets in the car and going to the park <laughs> and right you you weren't right. you don't know you you're here now right. but you weren't here then so mm-hmm. yeah. part of understanding that this is also about pain it's about pouring your life into somebody and mm. them walking away mm. uh, spending years in, with someone and they get hurt or get offended or whatever or their life changes and they go around and you thought that they were going to be with you forever. You yeah. thought this was, uh, you still love them, but that's, mm-hmm. that's a hard issue. And many people begin to withdraw and it's tempting to withdraw relationally because of the pain involved. 
Uh, and so them understand. We think it's, you know, we're gifted. I'm going to punch the devil in the face is what I'm going to punch him in the face. And it isn't how hard you hit the devil. It is when you get hit. Can you get up and keep going? That's good. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. You know, one of the, one of the, I use it in a, a message illustration, but one of the greatest illustrations of, of, of ministry to me uh, that I used even about Jesus in his death on the cross was, uh, I know you're, you're young, you probably don't remember this, but uh, there was a heavyweight fight uh, with Muhammad Ali, right? And Muhammad Ali was having to face, he was kind of washed up, they thought, and he was having to face George Foreman in this. Mm. And the, the odds were like seven to one. Everybody, because Foreman had killed everybody, even mm. Joe Frazier, anybody... That uh, that Muhammad Ali had fought, he, he had just crushed him, mm-hmm. and uh, so there was nobody believing Muhammad Ali could win. And George Foreman uh, gives an account of it as well that they were in the fight, and um, uh, they're fighting, and he's just covering up, and George Foreman is just beating him to death. He's just taking it seven rounds. He's beating and beating him, and, mm-hmm. and he they say he can't take much more. He can't take much more. But he had a strategy, and it was called the rope-a-dope. The <laughs> rope-a-dope was <laughs> Muhammad Ali got on the ropes, and George Foreman was just wearing him out, but he thought he could take it, and he was going to wait till Foreman got weak because he was younger and stronger, mm-hmm. and he was going to wait till he ran out of energy. And he said at about the seventh inning, uh, George Foreman said, I hit him as hard as I could with everything I could, and he wouldn't go down. And everybody was getting knocked down in the first round. And he said, my arms got heavy and I rested for a minute. And he said, I knew I was in trouble when Muhammad Ali come off of the come off of the ropes, mm-hmm. grabbed a hold of me and whispered in my ear, is that all you got, George? Is that all you got? <laughs> he said, I knew I was in trouble because I was wore out. Then he started fighting and he mm-hmm. knocked him out and wow. he was the champion. And, and I, I, you know, and how my mind works. That's how Jesus did, right? Jesus Mm -hmm. let the devil Mm. beat him. He had to. He had to take the pain. Mm. He he was crucified. He died. The devil thought he had him. He thought he was defeated. But then Jesus just leaned in and said, is that all you got? And he got up, right? (laughs) I think we have got to. That's ministry, right? That's ministry. Sometimes... You know, sometimes it's like everything's going your way, man, favor. Everything's going. And then sometimes it seems like everything's going wrong. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, you've got to just kind of lean in and say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. That was Pastor Lonnie's translation of Colossians 2, I think. (laughs) The LJ translation. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, (laughs) no, I love that a lot. And he also, you know, he took some punches raising those guys for three years. He did. Everything he went through with them. Um, And you you touched on it a little bit in the last few minutes, but I wanted to ask, um, how would you overcome disappointment when people or even churches that you've discipled kind of fall away when they they back up? Like you mentioned, people that retreat. That's a, a very painful thing, and you you mentioned endurance. And is there anything else that you you would say to that of how to how to keep going? Well, I mean, you know, the the thing I think we have to be careful is that we've got to realize that we don't get identity, our identity from success or failure. I think when we internalize success, it can be just as damaging as internalizing failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So what we have to realize is if is it teachable? Did I do anything? that would cause this 
or have I done everything and I have a pure heart and it happened? If that's the case, then I've just got to love them, release them to God, and keep doing what I'm called to do. Because yeah, my good. success is not based on the numbers. It's just based on being faithful. It's really that's good. good. I just wanted to build off some of what you're saying before and okay. um, you as the leader of a network of churches and one who's planted churches and pastored, um, how do you keep your focus on discipleship when there's so much responsibility on your shoulders? Is that, has that been a challenge for you? Um, well, one of the things, just like we we're talking about is team, um, you know, about the network. Uh, when um, Pastor Kathy and the other leaders on the board asked me if I would lead the, the network and help lead it, uh, the reality is uh, I said, and I shared with them, and I'll share with you guys, uh, our bishop uh, who birthed him and uh, Pastor Kathy and led the network mm -hmm. um, did an incredible job with the culture and the yeah. DNA. Um, I'm not the bishop, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not called to be a bishop. What I shared with them is I, I, uh, my skills or, or how I'm wired, I can build teams, and that's what I feel led to do. So even though uh, that I'm an exa I said I would serve as an executive director, which is help the team because we have some incredibly anointed men and women mm. on the team. And Pastor Kathy, the founder, has been, you know, created such a mothering culture and relationship because that's the secret mm. sauce mm -hmm. of destiny is the relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, she still does that with gatherings and ministries. Incredible uh, leaders like uh, Pastor Pat and Celine uh, McDonald out here, they're incredible. All of these leaders come together and we lead uh, and try to our best to help churches, right? So it is, uh, you know, I, what I do, and I'm good at delegation. Uh, in other words, and I've found... Uh, that if if we're not careful as leaders, we can get the Superman uh, syndrome. Yeah. The Superman syndrome, especially when you first start, because when you first start a church, you do have to do everything, right? We mm -hmm. yeah. did have to clean the building. We did have to set up. We did have to do everything. Yeah. And so if you're not careful, you can become codependent. You mm -hmm. can become dependent need to be needed mm. and then you get your value you get your identity from everybody coming to you uh, and you begin to bottleneck ministry that i got to make the final decision on everything and what happens is there's two things first of all there's people that god gives us that are better than us at certain things mm. right uh there's also um people that may not have as much skill in certain areas, but they need to grow because they have the potential to mm -hmm. be born. So part of what we have to do is begin to release ministry and not have the Superman syndrome. And, yeah. uh, and, and But when we do that, what happens is now you're more able to do so much more uh, effectively expanding the kingdom and lifting up Christ, and you're you're activating the body, and that is where multiplication happens yeah. when we release ministry. Mm -hmm. the, the 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 fivefold ascension gifts: the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher. It says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yeah. It doesn't mean we're supposed to do all the ministry. Right. That's not an excuse for us to be lazy, mm -hmm. but it is <laughs> a, a commandment for us to equip the people. Mm -hmm. And when you equip the people, then they step into the anointing, right? They have an anointing that needs to be released, and it's released when you begin to flow in your purpose and in your calling and in your destiny. Yeah. 
And so, you know, that those are the things that I see that that we have to do. So when you ask how can you do multiple things, mm-hmm. it's because uh, we've raised up incredible teams who do incredible jobs, and we are able to navigate a lot of ministry because we have a lot of young, discipled, equipped, and anointed people. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, just listening to you, I, I love your heart. Obviously, the heart of the Father is just so prevalent through you. Um, you have a lot. You have a lot you're overseeing. You have a mm-hmm. lot that you're doing. If someone were to ask you, why do you do all of this? What would you tell them? <laughs> um, well, I think there's a few things. Obviously, because of Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. I think that uh, uh, lifting Him up and helping people is the mandate, the Great Commission. Following the king's instruction, you know, um, I think that 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 is a big part of it is being obedient, you know, being faithful. I think the other thing is that I find my fulfillment mm. because I'm wired. You know, those those fivefold gifts, those what we call ascension gifts. They're yeah. they're actually they're they're not so much titles as they are functions. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. kind of we get yeah. caught up in mm-hmm. titles, and you know, I know guys who say they're apostle this. But they're not apostle in anything, right? right? So, I mean, yep. you know. Uh, so, so part of what I think is that when we understand that these ascension gifts, it's actually a different word. Uh, when he talks about it in Ephesians, the 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 word in the original language is doma, doma, and the in the word of uh, the gifts of the spirit in First Corinthians twelve is charismata, charisma. Mm-hmm. And it is that the gifts come on us, right? The Holy Spirit's the gift, the gift, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, you know, all that. But the fivefold ascension gifts is different. Mm-hmm. It is not the Holy Spirit gift comes on us. It is that the person themselves have been called, crafted, ordained by God, created, birthed as the gift. That's what he told Jeremiah. Yeah. I created you as a prophet to the nations from the be- before you were born. Mm-hmm. So the fivefold gifts is how the person is wired. It is their personality. So when we do a pastor appreciation, right, I, I, I don't think that people really understand. It's not that he's anointed to preach, so he is a gift. It actually is that God knew you were going to be here. He knew the people that would be drawn to him. He knew the place that he was going to put him. And God created a person, wired them, gave them the personality, gave them the heart, gave Mm -hmm. them all that they needed. And then that person becomes a gift from God to the Father or to the people to represent him. Mm -hmm. And then they begin to unlock things in us because there's a sound that they create or release that is people that are drawn to you. When you have a covenant, connection. When you were called to be in a house, when you're called to be under a leadership or in a team, there is a sound there that draws something deep within you, right? Yeah. When when the ark was finished and basically the Holy Spirit sent out a call and all of a sudden, you know, it goes to a herd of buffalo and a couple <laughs> of buffalo said, did you hear that? And the other's like, I didn't hear nothing. But two of them said, I heard something. Right. I'm going this way, right? Yeah. The Spirit called them, right? And so who got to the ark? The ones God ordained to get on the ark. And I think it's the same thing in a house. Uh, there's a there's a sound that comes from word of life. There's mm-hmm. a sound and there's an atmosphere and there's a there's a leaders, uh, you know, Pastor Pat and Pastor Celine, and there's a there's a sound of and there's a personality and it draws because it unlocks things. You know, when mm, when when uh, John the Baptist mother and and Mary the mother of Jesus got in a room and they greeted each other, the Bible said the babies jumped. Why? Because their their covenant 
connected mm. and their destiny connected and it caused their spirit to jump. I think when we get in environments where we're called, it, it causes our spirit to jump. Right? Yeah, yeah. And we feel something. And the reason I do it is because when I see lives change, whether it's uh, somebody that we've been ministering to in jail, then they go to uh, Eagle's Wings, a transition house we partner with, and mm-hmm. then our ministers bring them to church and see them, and then they, uh, I talk to them, and we pray over them, and they go through growth track. That causes my baby to jump. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That, that's the fulfillment of why I'm here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I do it. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. I love, I love yeah. all of that. It's so awesome. Yeah, it's the the joy of the Father <laughs> to joy. see recreation yeah. happen, and yeah. to see transformation and renewal, and He puts that in us that we right. see what only He can do. Yeah, and we don't get to see that outside of ministering. Um, you know, so. the joy I found in serving yeah. God, I want others. Right? Oh yeah. yeah, so that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And bring them it's into true. that. So. Mm-hmm. Anything else uh, that you want to ask oh my our guest here? Yeah, I mean, Liz? I just I I love all of this. I've so I've so many questions. Like, yeah, how do you do? I can see it you know, prison you. like what you're just saying, <laughs> like you know, jail ministry to halfway house yeah. to growth track. Like, I just love the intentionality of that. You seem like a very intentional person. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> I've learned to be intentional. Okay, okay. I was not naturally my wife. I'm I'm a, if you know personalities, I'm, I'm a sanguine, right? Yeah. Uh, but as I take. I started out as sanguine, but I've become more and more what they call choleric uh, because I've realized mm. that I had to change. Because you know, I, I, I'm a Pentecostal charismatic, you know, okay. and and we have this. We we always want to get in the presence of God, right? Right. We right. want to dance. We want to shout. We want to, and that's <laughs> awesome. Uh-huh. And so we were so incredible, man. We would have incredible services. We'd get people saved. It's like a NASA launch. We could launch a rocket. We could have services. We have events. People get saved in the presence of God and the powers of God. And then we didn't disciple. Hmm. We did not disciple. Hmm. And when we didn't disciple, it's just like that rocket. We blew them into space on Sunday, but they burn up on Monday (laughs) when they come back to work. They don't have no heat shields. (laughs) Right. And they're getting saved again. And then we blow them back into the space. And we're like, this is is crazy. but I realized for because God was blessing, and as God blesses, the only way to truly see the miracle of transformation was being intentional mm-hmm. about the responsibility of raising them. So, you know, when Jesus was feeding the 15,000, 5,000 men and their wives and children, at least 15,000, yeah. one of the things that he did is before he broke the bread and blessed it, he set them down in groups of 50. Yeah. You know, that took a while mm-hmm. to take 15,000 people. Mm-hmm. And get him in groups of 50 before he would bless anything. And one of the things I realized is that we had to be more intentional in our discipleship, which means we needed more structure. Mm -hmm. And so for the first, I don't know how many years, we were not very structural. But I realized out of the necessity of keeping the harvest Mm -hmm. and of being um, accountable, for the people God was bringing us that yeah. I needed system. So I began to be a student. I began to, to, to look, I began to talk to people. I began, and my wife is much more uh, structured than me. You know, she's that melancholy. Um, she's very, needs a list. You know, you go on vacation and she needs to know what you're doing, what day we're doing it. She makes her list, <laughs> what clothes I'm wearing. And I'm like, let's throw it in a suitcase and roll. Let's go. <laughs> you are crazy. I'm not going till I know what we're doing. Right. So that was a great, um, partnership for so many years. And then people, God brought us people who were very organized. Okay. And so they help bring structure 
to the download of the spirit of the vision and prophetically what God's saying. They help bring those structures so much better than I do. Mm. Sounds like a spiritual gift. Good administration. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that's, that. That's not mine. That, no, that's that's not mine. I value yeah. it so much. It's so awesome. It is true. Well, you touched on fivefold ministry, and that's something we've been talking about quite a bit here, actually. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like in your in your church, in your organization, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. practically how that works? Um, well, there's, you know, like when you really look at it, each one has a function. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we are an apostolic house. Uh, when, when I say apostolic house, uh, the reason I say that is because uh, we are not just uh, a local church. Uh, we do ministries and missions globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we plant churches. Mm-hmm. We planted, right. like I said, 12 churches mm-hmm. uh, in the States. We've actually, over the last three years, have planted in partnership with a missionary out of our church in Southeast Asia. We planted 69 churches in Laos, Vietnam, Burma, Cambodia. Wow, cool. wow. Uh, they plant house churches. And uh, so so when I say apostolic, that, that is just a function mm-hmm. because we take territory. Okay. That's what we That's did. Good. We had an assisted living for the elderly for 17 years uh, where we took from a small group of of people we were taking care of, 10-bed facility. It kept growing until we had 72 beds, and we ministered for 17 years. We gave away about $1.3 million worth of medical care. Uh-huh. Uh, we get into the marketplace. We minister. We have a thrift store downtown where we feed, and so we we partner with the school system. We partner with Chamber of Commerce. We partner uh, even with business leaders in our community. We've done lunches. We bring them together. We talk about the uh, responsibility we all have as the blessing of the Lord. We need to help the needy and the hungry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Apostolic means that you are taking territory, you're expanding, you're you're advancing the kingdom. The prophetic obviously is almost like a building inspector. God speaks a word and makes sure that you're building correctly, that you're moving in the direction. Because each house, uh, I think it was Bishop who always would talk about how God is a zip code God. You know, we, we sometimes we put the general, well, if I'm doing it, you got to do it. Well, if yeah. that's not your assignment or maybe your community needs something different. you. Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful that we don't always just go to another conference and put on somebody else's armor, yeah. you know, like David on Saul. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I, I can't fight in this. <laughs> this is not what I'm called to. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I, I even when we go to conferences and I, I want my guys to learn and be stirred, I want to make sure that it goes through the filter of the spirit that we're not giving birth to Ishmael's. We need to birth Isaac's. What What is God telling us to birth? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can go off and see somebody do something, and you're like, hey, we need to do that. And I think it, when you begin to do that and you're not gifted, anointed, and you don't have the team, because a team is not only character and competence, which is great, but chemistry. Yeah, They need to flow together. And mm-hmm. when it all fits and we're in the spirit, that's what is supernatural, mm-hmm. and that's where mm-hmm. we need to be. Okay, so you're a, you're an apostolic house, yeah. But you have the other prophetic, offices yeah, functioning. Yeah, yeah the prophetic. I, I think I think every house needs those elements functioning. Some mm-hmm. of them are more leaning and more dominant in certain areas. I think there's houses that are more apostolic. There's houses that are more prophetic. I think there's houses that are very evangelistic. Mm-hmm. Then there's there's uh, there's uh, bodies of believers that are are very pastoral, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's those that are, are very 
teaching focus. And usually there's a, a, a combination. Yeah. I think the healthiest is when you can get all of those elements involved in the right. house. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think that that's what we strive for mm-hmm. is to have that balance because you need it all. Right. You right. need it all. To be complete. To right? be complete. Yeah. You know? Because if, if, if it's only prophetic and not apostolic, mm-hmm. we keep getting words. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but and we're we don't not fulfilling them. the word, yeah, right, right, right. Because the the ap- the apostolic is the taking the territory to change, influence the culture, to bring kingdom culture to bear into a region. I mean, that's what it is. Where it affects business, it affects government, it affects education. Yeah. You know, the mountains of culture that mm-hmm. we know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, but the prophetic is so needed because it is that fresh rhema, that fresh word, that now word, that instruction, mm-hmm. right? That lines up and then the people can know how to move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I'm, yeah. I, I'm always full of questions. No, so yeah, I'm just yeah, a curious yeah. person, yeah, but awesome. um, how did you get involved in international ministry? Um, when we, uh, when I was planting this church, I had been in ministry prior. Uh, I wasn't, I was a youth pastor and then I planted a church, uh, in another community and, uh, it was in a denomination, wonderful people. Um, but it was, uh, not a great fit, even though I'd been kind of raised in it. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I'd been away from the Lord for a long time. Uh, I was raised up in a, in a pastor's home an incredible, uh, pastor, my dad and mom, they're still alive. They're, they're, they ministered our seniors at our church. They're 80. They do a great job. Um, but, uh, part of the, the thing that I saw from being, I kind of out in the world and coming back is I felt a disconnect from what, uh, or I felt like that there were a lot of ministries that needed to be, uh, addressed that were not being done. And so that was part of my journey. And so when mm-hmm. I planted Christ central, my wife and I, uh, I really prayed and pressed into the Lord about what what does a New Testament church look like? What mm-hmm. what is what what is the the healthy environment? What what are we called to do? And how, you know all those things because there were things that I felt that I'd never seen anybody doing, mm-hmm. and so that was part of my journey of just uh, God speaking to us and began. So one of the things that as I began to read Scripture and start a, a, a non denominational church. I realized that, you know, the Great Commission, he said, go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the mm-hmm. uttermost parts of the earth. And then in Galatians, he said, before you do anything, take care of the house of the faith. Mm-hmm. And so as I began to just process and asking God, uh, we, uh, the Spirit kind of dropped in my spirit these four areas of ministry, which we called mm-hmm. household of faith, uh, local missions, national missions, and global missions. Mm-hmm. And so when we were putting together the church's bylaws, I put it into the bylaws and I got revelations about tithing, about how not only it's an individual tithe, but a corporate tithe. Hmm. So we tithe on everything. Uh, We have, and we always have since day one, we've tithed. Uh, So we put money in missions when we didn't have a building. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We built a first church overseas when we were meeting in a high school. Wow. Uh, we did ministries in the community of helping uh, get kids ready for school. We did ministries with haircuts and all mm-hmm. those kind of ministries. We, we uh, uh, ministered nationally by giving to uh, church planting organizations and then planting ourselves with monies out of our tithe mm-hmm. uh, that went to national. And we took care of the elderly in our church. That's what gave birth to our assisted living, there was elderly people in the church who had no family, no money, got sick, 
I, I was almost like the disciples when the the crowds were there and they were hungry, mm-hmm. and uh, they're saying, "We got to send them away. They they got to eat. Got, yeah. Jesus, we got to send them away." And He said, "You feed them. We can't feed them. We got yeah. them." <laughs> you know. And so I'm like, I, you know, we had this elderly couple. They needed help. They needed health care. And so I'm like, we got to find a place to put them. We got to find a place to put them. I was telling the guys, and we're mm-hmm. looking and we're trying to find program, and there was nothing in our community. And I prayed, Lord, I need you to give me a word. And He said. You feed them. And I'm like, <laughs> feed them. And so that's where I said, I think God's telling us to get a home to tear, care for elderly. Mm-hmm. And so we got a house uh, that was nine beds. Or we, we made it ten beds, and we had a tithe bed because one of them was sick. We put her in the tithe bed. It continued to grow. Uh, supernaturally, the state came and asked, said, you do such excellence with this health because we treated it like family. Mm-hmm. We took over. Uh, will you take over this other one in our community? that we're going to shut down because of uh, wrongful death. They're not taking care of the elderly. Uh, We've never done this because the law says that we have to shut it down, get rid of all the residents before we can have another company come in and relicense it. But if you'll consider doing it, we're going to appeal to Mm -hmm. the state state, uh, legislator to uh, allow this, make an exception that you guys could just come in and take over the residents that are there and bring yours. Mm And so we prayed about it, felt good about it. So we took it over. So we went from a tidbed to a 39 bed. <laughs> so we went from one tithe bed to four tithe beds. Uh-huh. Uh, then we continued to pray. And through a series of events, we were able to build another wing on it. And we went to 72 beds. And so we now had eight tithe beds. <laughs> and so th- that principle uh, mm-hmm. was in the beginning. We uh-huh. also began to go mission. So we took a little bit of money but it was uh, 2.5% of tithing and put into those four areas. So we had 10%. We started overseas. Out of that, businessmen started coming. We took them, I took them overseas to see uh, ministries that we had uh, or that I felt God telling us to do. Mm-hmm. And I had businessmen come and partner with us and build orphanages with us uh-huh. and all just supernatural things. Yeah. It's a whole... Journey. Yeah, no, yeah. that's awesome. Did you just like pick somewhere? Like we're gonna go here? No, or did you know you, someone over there? No, I'll tell you how it started. I, um, I it was nineteen ninety nine. We started in March of ninety eight, so it was at the end of ninety eight. I was going around, and I was trying to meet with pastors who I felt like had special anointings in area. And uh, one of those were, uh, I call it an eclectic thing. So I went to Free Chapel up in Georgia, Jensen Franklin's church, not to meet with Jensen Franklin, but to meet with his mission pastor. Mm -hmm. They were in 80 different countries doing incredible missions. And I knew we were called to missions. We already had it in the bylaws, and I just had to figure out how to do it. I didn't even have a passport. I'd never been overseas. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? So, uh, but I knew God called us. So I met with them. And uh, we had an incredible conversation. We hit it off, uh, Pastor Hugh Skelton. And uh, a week or two later, and and while I was there, uh, Pastor Jensen called him and talked to him, and he told him I was there. So he said, bring him up let me talk to him. So I I met with him, and we hit it off. He was a great, great man, anointed guy. And so he was going to Ukraine uh, a few weeks later, a month later, and uh, he called down a few days later, told you to get a hold of me and see if I'd be interested in going with Jensen Franklin to, to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I did. So I went with him uh, and me and a, co- a, a group of people and uh, had an incredible experience and God began to open the doors through you, Skelton. Uh, then there was a disaster in Honduras. Mm-hmm. Uh, a uh, uh, hurricane got stalled 
over that the mm-hmm. nation. And when it did, uh, the capital, Tegucigalpa, is in a valley with mountains all around. The waters flooded and came down so fast, it drowned. They had 10,000 people drown. The bodies were in the trees. They were needing medical missions. Mm-hmm. They called us, um, Jensen and his team. Mm-hmm. We had medical people. Uh, so we sent medical people to do missions work. And there uh, it was birthed uh, because I knew we were doing it. So one of them was a nurse who became my mission pastor who went all around and we were in 40 different nations leading medical teams and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. It was the the seed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just blue, blue, yeah. Blue. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any more, but I'm, I'm processing <laughs> a lot of what you're saying. I know I'm, it's so I'm great, isn't it? It's so good that, that you're saying. Yeah, and, um, it seems like somehow the Lord's allowed you to do such a, a balanced ministry, so many areas um, that is close to His heart. You know, mm-hmm. the ones that could be forgotten that He's yeah. put on your heart, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you're making disciples of them. You're giving, you know, love, mercy support to them right. and um it's it's an honor to, to listen to you and it, it is a challenge oh, um, thank you and something to pray about so but it's just yeah. been a it's been a blessing on this journey and none of that none of this stuff would be possible without god ascending the incredibly gifted people mm-hmm. who make it happen mm-hmm. i've said before because i've had pastors how can you do medical missions and you do how you do uh, uh running a, a, a uh, an ALF, what is called assisted living facility, a nursing home. How, mm-hmm. how do you do that? I said, well, you got to hire people smarter than you are. <laughs> That's what I knew. I smart. I mean, they're gifted. They're medical people. If I had to run it, people would die. So we have <laughs> professionals, right? <laughs> so this is not brain surgery. <laughs> hire people smarter than yourself that have your heart. Yeah. And then they let them flourish, mm-hmm. right? That's so, what mm-hmm. we do. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. I know that. I guess as we come to end, I don't yeah. know how you guys in it, but I'd like to pray for Absolutely. those for you to do that, that are yeah. listening in. Okay, mm-hmm. let me just pray. Yeah. Uh, Father, I thank you, Lord, for those that have joined us today. Father, I believe that, Lord, there's no uh, accidents. I believe that there are divine appointments. So, Father, I believe those that have listened, Lord, that there's something, Lord, that you're wanting to deposit in their heart. I, I don't know what it is, but I believe that you're unlocking, you're stirring, yes. you're moving, God. You're causing someone to dream. You're causing someone to believe Father, I just right now release the anointing, Father, for them to step into destiny. Lord, it says the steps of the righteous are ordered. You've been calling unto people who may not have responded. And Lord, I'm just praying that today will stir their hearts, that they will respond, Father, to that leading and drawing of the Spirit. We are all called. Lord, we do not have to be. We are not the most gifted. We are not the most yeah. talented. We, we are not the greatest orators. We are not the greatest strategists. But Lord, what we've decided to do is make ourselves available. And Lord, to do everything that we can that you lead us to do and be obedient. And Father, out of that, the supernatural favor will always show up on the hearts that are pure and that the causes of the broken, Father, Mm -hmm. that you hear their cries. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, that as we talk about discipleship, that all of us, all of us who follow Christ, are right now in the process of discipleship. Mm -hmm. Whether they've just been saved and are listening to you, or whether, like me, that they've been following you for 34 years, or whether it's others who've been following you longer, we are all followers of the King. Mm -hmm. 
There's only one Savior, one Lord, one King, one baptism. And Lord, we just come to you today thanking you for this time together in this incredible group, in this school of ministry. Lord, I thank you for this school. Continue to bless them, anoint them, and use them to develop and disciple that next generation. Lord, I pray right now that your will will be done and your blessings will flow and that Jesus will be lifted up. I ask it in Christ's name. And everybody said Amen. 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 Pastor Lonnie, we're so honored that you would come and spend some time with us today and just share your life with us. It's been uh, very inspiring. No, thank you. You guys inspire me. (laughs) I I love to be around young leaders that have a heart for discipleship and pressing into the things of the Spirit. And and, uh, to me, that's life-giving. It is life-giving. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Thanks for joining us today. I know you got something great out of it. So take it with you, put it into practice, walk it out. God's stirring something up. So respond and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to get the latest episode. And for more information, visit spiritschoolofministry.com.